Well, good morning. I do want to join with others in saying Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers today. Uh, some are here in this room. Others are watching on live stream or perhaps will watch a little bit later in the day. But I wanted to read a passage from God's Word. I love that song that recalibrates our thinking to say, you know what I believe? I believe what God has said. I know that uh, in our country today, there's a lot of confusion over manhood, over womanhood, but it's not confusing if you look at what God has said in his word. I love what it says here at the end of Proverbs 31, when it says that her children will rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpassed them all. Charms deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruits of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. You know, I thank the Lord for mothers. I feel like that we put so many other women on stages and we give them trophies and we give them recognition. And we don't recognize those that we should recognize the most of all those that give us life, those that raise us, those who love us and take care of us and teach us through the years. I think they're indispensable. That's why each Mother's Day, I always like to take time out and say, let's honor them. And uh, so that's what I wanna do today. Uh, this week, I found a uh, video clip that seems to be a good reminder of motherhood. And so I wanna play that first and then I want uh, to ask children and students if they would uh, come after the video clip uh, to help. We have a special gift that we want to give to uh, the mothers that are here with us today. And so uh, let's enjoy this video clip first, and then we will go to uh, the gift second. It's Mother's Day, a time to celebrate all the wonderful mothers out there not just for being shining examples of how great a mom can be, but also for being beautiful reflections of who God is. Like God, you've provided for us. You've shown us how much you care from the very beginning. With God, you've guided us, helping us navigate through every decision, big or small. been patient with us, helping us grow and learn from the mistakes we make. And like God, you forgive us, offering us grace so those mistakes can never define us. You've been present. It sounds so simple, but it's so important just knowing you're there when we need you. And most of all, You've loved us unconditionally as only someone filled with God's love could. So today we thank you, moms, for all of this and so much more. Happy Mother's Day. We do appreciate you. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a home where every, every day when I woke up, I never had to guess, am I loved today? Because my mom and my dad both 
would tell me that I was loved every day. And uh, I thank the Lord that my wife has loved our daughters the same exact way. So perhaps uh, we have mothers here today, and I wanna ask if you're here and you're a mother, we want to show our appreciation. And what I wanna ask you to do, congregation, is to express your appreciation the way you really feel in your heart. I don't wanna manipulate it. I don't wanna misrepresent it. When these mothers stand, I want you to let them know how much you appreciate them. If you're a mom here, would you stand and let us honor you this day? Thank you so much. You may be seated. I would like for us to uh, to maybe give a gift. So if we could have the children or students, it doesn't matter what age, if you'd like to come and help us, just take a few of these gifts and look for moms. They'll wave their hand. They'll kind of, you know, do some kind of hand signal to you, but take a few and just go and uh, help us to make sure that we get them all. We'll start from the front and go to the back or start from the back, go to the front, but they're gonna help us. And then we're gonna have a special prayer again Appreciate all of uh, the greetings and the prayers already. You wanna grab some there? Help us to pass the, man, we got lots of good helpers up here. This is awesome. Man, we got a lot of moms here. I hope we got the loaves and the fish in the basket. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be running out so far, so keep on going. Don't miss anybody. If you're still, if you haven't received a gift, we want you to receive one, raise your hand so they can see who you are. Flag them down. We want you to know you are greatly loved and appreciated, and we want you to feel honored as we go through this day. Awesome, okay. All right, thank you so much. I appreciate all the helpers there too. Thank you all. All right, got everybody? All right. Well, uh, today the message is going to be about uh, motherhood. So we're going to look at uh, a passage of scripture that's found in Judges, but I, I want us to pray first. Would you join me in prayer as we give God thanks for our moms? Oh Lord, how we do thank you. Thank you so much that we can honor our mothers. Truly, they taught us how to love and they loved us unconditionally. And we just want to say thank you. They're such a blessing to us. They're a gift, and we thank you. Thank you for how you've used them through the years. Uh, Lord, there may be others that uh, we see on, on a movie or singing or a social media or something like that, but I thank you so much for the moms that took care of us when we were sick. They, uh, they held us when we fell down, and they uh, encouraged us. They were there in the stands when we came out of the dugout and we took our place on the field. Uh, I thank you for them always cheering us. Today is about us cheering them. Today is about us thanking them and letting them know that we appreciate all that they've done. So Father, I pray you would encourage every mom that's here today. Uh, we never know some of the burdens that they may be carrying. And so I pray that you would lighten their load today. I pray that this would be an uplifting time as we look into your word. So use your timeless word, Lord, to speak to our hearts. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Now I want you to open up the Word of God to the Old Testament book of Judges. Now I know that the book of Judges is normally not where a pastor would go to encourage women on Mother's Day. But perhaps you have overlooked chapter 13. It's a true account of one godly woman who actually, I think, had a motherhood breakthrough. And I wanna sort of explain that as we go through. Now, the Bible does not give us her name. Maybe that's because God wants you to put in your name. All we are told is that her husband's name was Manoah, which means rest. They were of the tribe of, of Dan, and they also lived in a place called Zorah. It was 14 miles west of Jerusalem. Now, as uh, chapter 13 of Judges begins, you're going to quickly notice the circumstances surrounding Manoah's wife. They were not pleasant. They were dark. It was difficult. The first two verses inform us of perhaps the type of burdens that this lady was carrying. Are you carrying these kinds of burdens? I believe she carried some moral and spiritual burdens because she was a godly woman, but she saw her country, she saw her people, she saw the culture drifting in the direction of that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. They also were under the oppression of the Philistines. They'd been under there for 40 years. So I wonder if there were also social pressures, maybe relational pressures, perhaps even financial pressures that she was in as they suffered underneath the oppression of the Philistines. There's also a personal, there's a physical, a medical reason that she was hurting. She was barren and could have no children. You know, if one thinks about it, this precious woman was surrounded, maybe like you, if you feel this way today, by complex problems that she could not escape and Manoah could not fix. Let's take, for example, the sad, sinful regression of her culture. You see, her character, her husband's character, her commitment to the Lord, her husband's commitment to the Lord were focused in the right place. They were repentant. They were godly. They were trying to live for the Lord, but many were not that way. Many were defiant. As a matter of fact, the book of Judges records 300 years of this same cycle. It's like constantly there is compromise with sin and apostasy from God. The consequences of rejecting the freedom under God's standards led to bondage under sin's rule. Eventually, people would grow weary under this oppression to sin, and they would cry out to God for deliverance, and God would come through. He would hear their brokenness. He would hear their sincerity as they said, please, God, please, we're willing to turn. Please deliver us. Please help us. As a matter of fact, 12 times God rescued them. But as you can see on this chart, it was like a cycle. He would rescue them, but then they would go right back whenever things would begin to improve. But how heavy it all must have been for a woman who in the midst of all that cultural and social chaos found herself trapped with her own personal trials, her own struggles and trauma. But take heart because the Lord God, the Almighty, 
is about to give Manoah's wife an incredible breakthrough. I want you to stand in honor of reading God's inerrant, infallible word. It's long, so if you have trouble standing, you may want to remain seated for a while. But I'd like for us to honor God's word because it is so true. God's word is incredibly wise. It's full of wisdom. It says in Judges 13, and the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. It was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And then the woman came and told her husband, a man of God came to me and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from and he did not tell me his name, but he said to me, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us that we, what we are to do with the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now, when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life and what is his mission? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please, let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, if you detain me, I will not eat of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name? so that when your words come true, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it on the rock 
to the Lord, to the one who works wonders. And Manoah and his wife were watching. And when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in the flame of the altar. Now Manoah and his wife were watching and they fell on their faces to the ground. The angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and to his wife. And then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands or shown us all these things or now announced to us such things as these. And the woman bore a son, called his name Samson, and the young man grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahane Dan between Zorah and Eshtael. Let's go to the Lord one more time. Oh, Father, speak to us. Speak to us about raising our kids. Lord, please help us to know your ways. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. I believe that God has included this passage, this woman's amazing breakthrough for a reason. So I want us to follow her footsteps. I just wanna briefly summarize five steps that I believe she took. The Lord led her from her burden to his blessing. So let's look at it together. Verses one through five, I believe, locate her first step in the right direction toward a spiritual breakthrough. She was open to the Lord. She was open to the Lord. Manoah's wife was receptive to God's will. Are you receptive to God's will? There's nothing ever written about this lady that would describe her as being resistant to God's will. She was open to the Lord, not closed. How have you come to the service today? Mom, dear wife, I wanna encourage you. Would you say to God, Lord, I wanna be open to your word and to what you would say to me, what you would reveal to me today. Now remember, many around her were closed to the Lord. It says that again, Israel embraced what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Why? Because toward the end of the book of Judges twice, it says that every man began to do what was right, not in the Lord's eyes, but in his own eyes. That's where we begin to drift away from God is when we move from doing what he says is right, from what he says is wrong to what we think. In addition to that national level of her stress, I believe she was depressed over that personal level of saying, I still haven't had a baby and I want to so badly. There were six women in the Old Testament who agonized over that same thing, the inability to bear a child. Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Hannah. Here we have Manoah's wife and the Shunammite, Shunammite woman. Wow. But what about their openness to the Lord? How was she open to the Lord? I believe first she was open to at least having a child. When I was an associate pastor in Plano, Texas at one time, I remember there was a young couple, they were really successful and prosperous and they had us over to their house. And I remember that they told us, we're in complete agreement that we're choosing not to have kids. And I asked them, why would you make that choice? 
Jody and I would love to have kids. And they said, well, we can have more things. We can have a better house. We can have nicer cars. We can have a better future. We can enjoy it together. So we choose not to have kids. But I believe that this woman was open. If God wanted to give her children, she wanted them. She said, Lord, I would love to have children in my life. As a matter of fact, I believe she would even be open in another category. She was open to caring about his calling. See, the Lord reveals to her, your son, your child is going to be a Nazarite. It was someone devoted to God. Someone who would say, like it said over and over again, I'm not going to go with strong drink, not going to have wine, not going to eat unclean things. I'm not going to cut my hair. The only person in our fellowship, there's a guy named Randy that doesn't cut his hair. I'm wondering, maybe, maybe he wants to be a Nazarite. I don't know. But anyway, that's, that's one thing I've thought. But are you open to the Lord to say, I want my son, my daughter to follow the Lord, to grow closer and closer to him? What about being open to sharing him with the country? Would you look closely at verse five? Verse five reminds me of so many families, so many parents across the nation who've shared their sons, their daughters to the military, to law enforcement, perhaps to the medical field, to the ministry, to missions. On and on we could go, but where it says here that he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. You see, sometimes God's call is bigger than our location. It's bigger than just what I want. It's bigger than my family. And God calls us. I'm so thankful that my parents and Jody's parents were so supportive of us when they understood that God was calling us to missions. My mother is still living and she's still supportive of me. You know, July will make 15 years that I've served here in Columbus. There, there are many things that I miss because I'm here with you. But my mom says, no, I want you to stay obedient to God. Why? Because she's open to God and whatever his call is on my life, even if it's another part of the country or another part of the world. Parents, would you say that's your decision also? Is that the posture of your faith toward your kids? What if God calls them somewhere other than near you? Let's go to a second thing. There's another footstep. I see a footprint upon scripture also in her oneness in the Lord with her husband. Her oneness with her husband. Notice the sweet interaction in verses six through 10. The interaction in their marriage. So interesting how they were both together on this. She says, look, an angel appeared to me and here's what he revealed. And so Manoah's like, really? That's amazing. Why don't we go to the Lord and pray about this? So I just find it interesting. You know, I remember 37 years ago when Jody and I sent out our wedding invitations, inviting people to come to this very room right here. We had imprinted on our wedding invitation 37 years ago, Psalm 34.3 that says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. You know, that has been the secret to Jody and I's marriage. Why have we been together for 37 years? Why do we enjoy life? Why are we not at odds? 
You know why? Because we magnify one common person. We magnify not self, we magnify him. And so it brings us together. So as I looked at this text, I thought to myself, look at the oneness that is described. I believe they were one in the Lord in their conversation. Did you notice how it says, she goes and she tells Manoah. I think it's important for a husband and a wife to share, to talk. Do you have conversations with your spouse? I think it's healthy to do that, to say, this is what God is showing me. This is what I'm learning. Or the husband to say, this is the hard situation I had today at work. Would you pray for me about this? This is really stressing me. It's heavy upon me. I believe that their conversations, they knew how to talk to one another. I think it's a lifelong journey to learn to talk to one another as a husband and a wife, to learn not to belittle one another, not to criticize one another, but to take problems and look at it together and to talk about them, but also to pray about them. That's why I see not only oneness in the Lord in their conversation, but also in their consecration. Consecration talks about being set apart for something. I believe that they said, let's pray about this. Notice who took the lead, the husband, Manoah, in verse eight. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again, notice the pronouns, come again to us. He wanted to be there and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. You see, I believe that God places a little one in a husband and a wife's arms together. He wants both to love that child, to lead that child, to pray over that child. You don't have to say real highfalutin things when you pray over them. Just pray from your heart, let it be real. But I just found it interesting that they were one in their consecration, but they were also one in their cooperation. Because guess what happens in verse nine? The Lord heard the, the Manoah's prayer, right? But he didn't come when Manoah was there. He came only when Manoah's wife was alone again. So what does she do? She ran quickly. She ran quickly. Why did she run quickly? Why did she want to bring her husband in on this? Because she knew God put us together as a team. We're gonna be raising this child together. And so there was this oneness and cooperation. There was no competition. There was no saying, well, I think this one likes me better. No, it's like we're in this together. And that's why they both had such a great marriage and they were headed for a great family. But there was a third step that she took with her husband. I would call it a step of obedience to the Lord. I think we see Manoah now in the lead, but perhaps there's a husband here and you would say, how can I help my wife to obey God? How can I help her to obey the Lord? So I see some things Manoah did that might be helpful to husbands that are in the room. Let's say your wife says, I really wanna do what God has led us to do. And maybe she even says something like what uh, this, this dear lady is saying, Manoah's wife. She's saying, look, here's what, here's what he said. So then here's the thing. Whenever Manoah goes to the man, he doesn't know he's an angel yet. Whenever he goes and she's brought him in there now, so now they're both together, he says, are you the one that spoke with this woman? And he says, I am. Man, that's a whole message by itself. Whenever God says, I am. But anyway, I'm just thinking, isn't that something 
that he wanted, he wanted to identify the source of authority. If God said it, that's fine. But if this is something that she just heard some of the other ladies in the neighborhood talking about, or is this just something she came up with her on her own? What's the source? He says, the source of the authority makes all the difference. And so whenever he says, yes, it, I am, he said, okay, that's good. But then he wanted to clarify the specifics of the assignment to get a little more information. Sounds just like a guy, you know, we wanna continue to gather information. Clarify the specifics. Sometimes God will give you more specifics if you ask him, you seek his word, but sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes the secret things belong to the Lord our God. So we have to say, okay, but the things revealed belong to us and to our kids, which leads me to the third thing he did. The third thing he did was he verified the steps, verified the steps taken for alignment. So what the angel says to him is, he says, you know what? You don't need more information. I've already told you what I want you to do. So you do what I told your wife to do, and you guys are gonna be so blessed. It's gonna be a breakthrough if you're just obedient to what I've already told you to do. You see, we like to just keep piling on a whole lot of stuff, but God's so simple. He said, no, I've given you, you know, it's like Abby used to say to me a lot, dad, you had one job. You know, it's like this morning, I get Jody's Mother's Day card already, start to put in the envelope, and I got the wrong size envelope. It won't fit in there. <laughs> and somehow in the back of my mind, I could hear Abby saying, Dad, you had one job. You know, why can't you get it? <laughs> but you know, we ought to say, Lord, help us. Help us to do what you've already shown us in your word you want us to do. We always want more. Well, more things in God saying, no, you do what I've told you to do, then I'll show you more. But we also have to specify the speed because sometimes God, you're right about God's will, but maybe you're off a little bit about the timing for God's will. And so we have to say, okay, God, what's the right timing? They're saying, Lord, we'd like to detain you. If you don't mind, angel, we'd like to detain you. We'd like to have a meal. That was Middle Eastern hospitality at its best. And he says, you know what? I'm not gonna be detained for a meal because I'm not gonna eat your food. Now, I don't think he was rejecting, you know, Manoah's wife's cooking. You know, she could have said, that's pretty rude not to like my cooking. I don't think he'd ever eaten her food. So this wasn't a criticizing thing. But the fourth step, I think it's interesting and it's related to this whole idea of the food. The offering, the offering. I want you to notice something really significant about the offering. It was a sacrificial offering. Something had to die. A goat had to die. You see, we wanna have fellowship with God when we haven't dealt with sin and we've not had our sins cleansed and atoned for. And so we would like to sit down in a meal and say, God bless me, bless me, bless me. People can say that all they want to across the country, bless me, bless me, bless me. But if we haven't dealt with sin, then God says, no, we're gonna deal with this first. And that's why he said, if you wanna offer up an offering, which meant that goat, the goat would give his life, the innocent would die for the guilty. Now, on average, if that's how God grades on the curve, listen, Manoah and his wife were doing pretty well compared to everybody else, but they still were broken. They still were sinful. They still needed some kind of atonement for their sin. And so I think that there's something way deeper than all of this stuff about the offering. 
And I'm not talking about you giving an offering. I'm talking about Jesus, the offering of Christ for our sins. There's no more need for a burnt offering. There's no need for goats or sheeps. There's no need for lambs or for birds of any kind, a bull, no. No, Christ paid it all. Just like the song that we sang earlier, his finished work was enough. And so I think the acceptance of the sacrificial offering is significant. You know, later, uh, Manoah and his wife, they both recognize he accepted what we offered. But, but you're gonna see in a moment something that really scared Manoah. But there's something we need to recognize about the angel of the Lord. Many Bible scholars say over and over again, you can check me out on this. Many of them say this was what's called a theophany. This is a Christophany. This is Christ appearing to this couple before his incarnation, before he came and was born a baby in Bethlehem, before he became a man. This was Jesus, a little glimpse of him, and then he's gone, right? Well, I got to thinking, isn't that amazing? of how he did this. And Manoah and his wife, all they wanted to know was, I just wanna know you. Like, we wanna honor you, we wanna glorify you. When this happens, we wanna know who to give the glory to. And he said, if I told you my name, it's wonderful. And so Isaiah 9, 6, the Lord says through the prophet Isaiah that the Messiah, Jesus, one of his many names will be called Wonderful, Counselor. But then he ascends up in the flame. It's, it's an incredible sight. Can you imagine how shocked they would have been? I mean, there they were watching what God would do and could do. But then they led them as they watched God do something they sure, certainly couldn't do. I don't recommend trying to ascend out of a campfire. Don't try it. Don't try this at home. But I thought it was interesting how it led them to fall on their faces in worship together. They were watching together and now they're worshiping together. And that's where you are this morning. And I'm so glad you're here together. Let me end with one final thing, one last footstep. Who could blame Manoah for trembling and for assuming, uh-oh, we've just seen God. This was no man. This wasn't just an angel here. We've actually seen God. And so, you know what? He said, Moses would say, we're gonna die because no man sees God and lives. But now what I want you to notice is the footprint of this godly woman of faith who spoke not of their impending death from the Lord, but of their exciting opportunity from the Lord. She begins to run it back through and she says, wait, that wouldn't make sense if now he's gonna strike us down. He accepted our offering. He revealed to us his plan. He gave us a promise. You see, Manoah's wife, she could see. Manoah thought it was over. Manoah thought, uh-oh, we're done now. But she said, no, we're not done. This is the breakthrough. This is where God's gonna show us what he's about to do. And did he ever, because the scripture text goes on to tell us accurately and historically that the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. It's incredible when I think about the opportunities. I wanna give you who are parents and your kids are still home. I wanna give you three opportunities that you have from this text. The first opportunity that she had and Manoah had that you have 
is the opportunity to shape your sons, your daughters' core for life. You're gonna shape the core of their identity, the core of their value system, their worldview. You're gonna shape the core of their character. And so I wanna point all of those who are mothers to Titus chapter two, verse four and five, because I believe with all my heart, that's how this lady was living. She, it says in Titus 2, 4, and 5, love your husbands and your children. Be self-controlled, pure, workers at home, kind, submissive to your husbands. That's the kind of shaping that she was doing during this time when Samson was still in the home. I see another opportunity that we have, the opportunity to steer our son, our daughter's commitment toward the Lord. It says here that Samson grew and the Lord blessed him. He blessed and he grew, even though there were no more appearances. Are you gonna have an angel every day? No, they didn't have an angel every day. The, angel, the angelic visitations stopped, but their commitment level didn't stop. And I believe that she was an example. She wanted to, to be a good example for Samson. Do you know that Samson is given 20% of the book of Judges? That's quite a bit. That's more than any of the other judges. Out of 12 judges, if I were to ask you, can you name me some of the judges in the book of Judges? More than likely, most of us, the majority of us would only be able to say, well, I know Samson, strong man. He was strong. You know, Samson's name means sunny, sunshine. Isn't that amazing? She. She was saying, you have got so much that you can shine for the Lord because he loves you, Samson. God has a purpose for you, Samson. Your life was created, Samson. And so I think she steered him toward commitment to God, but she also stoked as a fire. She stoked her son's call to leadership. It says the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. I wonder if there were times when Manoah and his wife would remind their son, you know, don't forget, you're called to be a Nazarite. It's made a big difference on the way I've lived. I want you to say, God, please help me to keep my Nazarite vows. Reminded her son of the call to save the nation. Remember verse five? There's something God wants to use him with in the nation. So there's no record of this mom ever saying, come on, Samson, stay home. Don't leave us, Samson. We love you so much, Samson. You can't grow up. You can't go out there and leave us. We want you to stay. No, they released him to do what God, God's purpose was for him. That's why I see verse 25 in closing as a tough reality check for every mother and father. It's that transition. When your kids, you've, you've raised them, you've instilled within them the spiritual and biblical DNA, but there comes a point where you have to say, you know what, Lord, You've got purposes for them that are beyond us. I'm not claiming to have it down. I'm still in it myself. But encased within the names of these locations mentioned in verse 25, I think there's a reminder of each generation's God-given breakthroughs. Yes, in your life, did God give you breakthroughs with your kids? Well, I could go through and just name breakthroughs that we had when Elisa and Abby were growing up. But you know what? Despite all those breakthroughs, every generation has to say, you know what? Now the torch has to be passed on to you. 
See, Samson was born and raised in a place called Zoar. It's found in verse 25. You know what Zoar means? It means sunrise. The sun's coming up. See, the sun's coming up. And God said, you know what? I know you haven't had a child, but I'm going to bless you guys with a child. You know, it must have been great when the sun was coming up. But you know what the name uh, Mahane Dan means? Dan was the tribe. Mahane meant camp. So here's the thing. Someday, those that we taught how to walk, we, we held their hands when they began to walk. Someday, they walk to another camp. Someday they'll go and they will decide with whom they will camp. They will decide where they will camp. They will decide who leads our camp. And so as parents, what we have to do is to say, my time is now. So if your kids are still at home, if they're elementary, if they're junior high or high school, perhaps even college and so forth, hold their hands now. Walk them in the right direction. That's like this woman. She walked in the right direction. Let me review it one more time and think about it as we go into the invitation. Are you walking with your child and modeling openness to the Lord? Are you walking with your child and modeling oneness with your husband or with your wife? Are you walking in obedience to the word of God and to what you've already been told that you should do? If not, your kids, when you let go, they're gonna say they didn't live it, so neither am I. Are you walking in dependence upon the acceptance that you have in Christ's finished atonement? His, his offering of his life for you, that's what makes you know you're loved. Are you reminding your kids where their identity is found? Or are you just assuming they've got it? Walk with them. You've got them by the hand now. Walk in faithfulness with the opportunities that God has given to you. Trust me, it goes fast whenever you're raising kids. It seems slow, so many different points, but there'll come a day when you'll look back and you'll say, where did the years go? I don't understand how it got to be here so quickly. So what I'm saying is, if your kids are still in your home, love them, lead them, ground them, walk with them, be an example to them, show them just like Manoah and his wife did for Samson. When they leave, just like Samson, they can make their own decisions. But while they're with you, show them, guide them in the right direction. Let them see clear footprints leading them to where God wants them to go. Would you stand with me? I want us to have a time of response and invitation. I always like to give this time. Perhaps people would say, I just need to pray where I am. Or maybe others would say, I like to go to the front. I like, to, I like that feeling of just giving it to God on my knees and saying, okay, Lord, I need you to take this. Or maybe you'd say, I need somebody to pray with. This is heavy. That's why we're here. It's the body of Christ. Pray with people who have heavy burdens. So let's pray together. And then we'll have a time of invitation when you can respond. I'd be glad to, to hear your uh, commitment or to pray with you about it. Lord, thank you so much for this time to look into your word. Lord, it is eternal. Grass withers, flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. So I thank you, God. This will be relevant to every generation. And so God, please, would you strengthen our parents? 
encourage them. Help them to know they're doing the right things. Or if they're not doing the right things, just correct them. Help them get on the right path. Help them to turn from doing the wrong things and turn in the right direction. I know that our kids, they're precious gifts. They are gifts to us, but we only have them with us for a while. So help us to be good stewards of that time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.